We're going to turn to God's Word, 1 Samuel chapter 1. Just two verses there, uh, verse 19 and verse 20. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. Let's just pray together. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for your help, for your anointing, for the Spirit of the living God to come and to quicken us this morning, Lord, both to preach and to hear your precious Word. Lord, we pray that you would undertake for this time Lord, as we would open your word, that you would break the bread of life onto us, Lord. Lord, that you, Lord, would open our eyes and our ears, that we would both hear and see. And Lord, that you, Lord, would do a wonderful work in our midst this morning, Lord. Stir our hearts, Lord. Lord, we give you thanks, Lord, for the great privilege it is, Lord, to gather around your word, the great liberty that we have in this nation, Lord, to meet in this fashion. So, Lord, we pray, Lord, that truly we would be a habitation through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 19. I want to speak this morning, continuing on just in this series that we've been looking at over the past number of weeks But this morning, I want to just look at this, a covenant-keeping God. A covenant-keeping God. 1 Samuel 1, verse 19. They rose up early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come, about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son, called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And we know the Lord will bless the reading of his word this morning. Uh, In these weeks, we've been looking at Hannah as a type of the church and Samuel in his birth as a type of revival. Hannah as a type of the church and Samuel as a type of revival. These words, uh, they're found in verse 19. This, these five words, and the Lord remembered her. The Lord remembered her. Uh, to remember, I believe Brent a couple of weeks ago touched on what it is for God to remember. We would often suggest that if someone has remembered something, that they must have forgot it in the first place. But that is not, of course, what this means. God doesn't forget. The only thing he forgets is our sin. Not lovely this morning. How can an all-knowing God forget my sin? It's absolutely wonderful. It's a powerful thing, but it's a mystery. But I tell you something, I believe it this morning. But I want to pick up on this word, remember, for a moment, and let us just look at it and understand it from a biblical point of view. In Genesis chapter 8, we're going to look at some examples where God remembers. In Genesis chapter 8, if you turn there, it's the time when God was going to bring a judgment upon the earth. The rainbow in the sky that we see today is a sign of God's covenant. Whatever men take and use it for, sadly, in the world in which we live. But it's a token of God's great love and great mercy. In Genesis chapter 8 and verse 1, it opens with the words, And God remembered Jonah, or Noah, sorry, and every living thing, and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters were assuaged. We see here that when God remembered Noah, we see the wind of God blowing across the seas, across the rivers, across the waters. We see the Holy Ghost moving when the wind blew, and the waters were assuaged. But why did God remember Noah? In Genesis chapter 6, if you turn back, I want to pick this up this morning, just this 
this concept and understanding of God remembering. It's always connected with something else that we'll look at. Genesis 6 and 8, it says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. This is Noah. He walked with God. He was a just man. He was perfect in his generation. If you move down to verse 17, it simply says there in Genesis 6, And behold, I, even I, I do bring a flood upon the waters of, upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant. I want you to see something as we go through these examples this morning. There is a connection between God remembering and God's covenant. It's very important for us to understand that. When it says that God remembered, it's always on the basis of God's covenant. That's really important for us. God remembered Noah because God had established with Noah a covenant. God had established with Noah a covenant. Let's turn to the next example. Genesis chapter 18. Judgment is coming again. Sodom and Gomorrah, the wickedness of man, uh, the homosexuality in those days had risen. It was a time uh, where there was great wickedness and that wickedness had gone up to heaven. And it tells us in Genesis 18 and verse 23 that Abraham drew near. He stood in a place with God as an intercessor. And he said, will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? And as Abraham stands as that intercessor, you know, there's so much more. When we see Abraham stand there before the throne of God in that place of intercession, the wickedness that was there. And here's a man standing just before God. And he calls out to God, God, will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? And we know the story. He says, if I find 50, will you spare the city? As Abraham stands in that gap to intercede for Sodom and Gomorrah. If you turn over to chapter 19 and verse 27, after God had brought the great destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, I want you to see something again. We're looking at this covenant-keeping God. And when God remembers, in Genesis 19 and verse 27, Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. He looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah and towards all the land of the plain and beheld, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain, what does it say there? God remembered Abraham and sent out Lot of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in the which Lot had dwelt. Right at this point, Abraham standing looking over at the judgment of God, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. His nephew Lot has been delivered by the goodness and the mercy of God. And as Abraham stands there, the Bible tells us that God remembered Abraham. Why did he remember Abraham? Why are these words here, whether it be with Noah or whether it be here with Abraham? Well, I'll tell you why they're there. Genesis 15, verse 17. If you turn back just a few chapters, this, this understanding of God remembering is always in connection with his covenant. That's important for us to know this this morning. Genesis 15 and 17. It came to pass... That great hour, that hour of darkness, it seemed like the darkest hour in Abraham's life. 
But God was about to break through with a covenant. In Genesis 15, 17, it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, and behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. You see this covenant and this remembering of Abraham and the deliverance of Lot was because God had made a promise. We've got to know this this morning. This is important for us. God had made a promise. He'd made a covenant. And because he made a covenant and because Abraham came to God on the basis, not of what he thought or what he felt, he came to God on the basis of covenant. That's so important. The reason why Lot was delivered was because God had made a covenant with Abram. There was a covenant made. The reason why Noah found grace in the sight of God because God had made a covenant with Noah. Genesis chapter 30 and verse 1. We read there of a story of a woman that bare no children. Her name was Rachel. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel, it says, Genesis 30 verse 1, envied her sister, and she said unto Jacob, Jacob, give me children, or I'll die. You go down to verse 22. It says these words of the same chapter, Genesis 30, 22. What does it say there? And God, what does it say? Remembered, Rachel. God hearkened to her, and God opened her womb, and she conceived and bare a son, and God had taken away my reproach, and she called his name Joseph. God, why did God remember Rachel? Would you turn back to Genesis 17? I know we're flicking back and forward, but remembrance and covenant are connected. Genesis chapter 17, the reason why God remembered Rachel was because of his covenant. Genesis 17 verse 1 and verse 2. It says, And when Abram was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me, be thou perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and thee. And then what does it say? And I will multiply thee exceedingly. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, But Rachel's womb is because God made a covenant with Abram a couple of generations later there's a womb that's shut. But this is what God said. God said I'm going to multiply thee exceedingly. That womb has to open. What does it open on? It opens on the basis that God made a covenant. So when it says God remembered God is looking at his word And God will enact on the basis of what he said, not what we feel or what we think. If the womb is closed and the covenant promise is multiply, then the people of God need to know how to pray. Isn't that right? We need to know how to pray. The children of Israel are in bondage. They're ruled by Pharaoh. It's an awful, dark, and desperate time. If you turn into Exodus chapter 2 and verse 23, Exodus 2 and verse 23, 
Now, this is a way after Joseph, Exodus 2 and 23, it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, the children of Israel sighed by the reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning. And then what does it say? And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. When God remembers, it's always in connection with his covenant. And when he's presented with his covenant, he will enact upon what he said. So we read in Psalm 105 and verse 38, God was about to move in Egypt on the basis of the covenant that he'd made with Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. Psalm 105 and verse 38 says, Egypt was glad when they departed. For the fear of them fell upon them. He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give them light in the night. The people asked and he brought quails. He satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock. The waters gushed out. Why is he doing all this? Because he made a promise. That's why he's doing it. When God remembered, it's on the basis of his covenant. They ran in the dry places like a river. Verse 42. Why? For he remembered his holy promise. And Abraham, his servant. Friends, this is hundreds of years later. And he brought forth his people. How did he bring them out? We just said this morning, he brought them out with joy and has chosen with gladness. He brought us out with joy. Did he bring you out with joy? Did he bring you to the house this morning with joy? Did he bring you to the house of God with joy in your heart? Did he bring you out this morning? He brought them out of Egypt with joy. Thank God this morning for the joy of the Lord. He brought me out of the mighty clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He put a song in my heart today. Is there a song of praise, friends? He's brought you out. Oh, friends, this morning we should be the happiest people on the planet. We've been delivered. There should be a joy in our heart, an expression on our face. We're saved. Hallelujah. This is what God says about his covenant promise. Psalm 89 and verse 30. He remembered his promise, remembered this remembrance and covenant. Psalm 89 and verse 30 says these words, If his children forsake my law, Psalm 89 and 30, Walk not in my judgments. If they break my statutes, keep not my commandments, then will I visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Nevertheless, Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant, what does it say? Will I not break nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips? That's awesome this morning. He's a covenant-keeping God. We may feel, we may be prone to wonder, 
We may, we may turn, we may go cold, we may backslide, we may do all manners of things. The testimony of Israel, as we have looked this morning, throughout it all is bared there for our admonition and our example. But let me tell you something about God and His covenant promise. What the Word of God tells us this morning, my covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. Remember, Vine's expository dictionary of biblical words gives us this, uh, this here example. Remember is used of God in respect to his covenant promises and is followed by an action to fulfill his covenant. I'm going to say that again. Remember is used of God in respect to his covenant promises and is followed by an action to fulfill his covenant. In other words, Simply this morning, if God has said something, he never lies. And his word is true. And you can take this word this morning, saint of God. I want to encourage you on how we should pray. And how we should pray. I want to encourage you this morning that when you come to God, that you come not this morning just on what you think or how you feel, or, or some just rambling words out of our mouth. But get a hold of what God says concerning what you're going through. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord's going to deliver them out of them all. That's what he said. And if he never breaks his word. And his promises are true. If I'm sick this morning. Then this word says to me. That by his stripes I am healed. I don't come on how I feel or what I think. Or my idea, I come this morning on the basis of God's word. If you've got a loved one outside of Christ, you brought them up in the way of the Lord. This is what the book says. Train a child up in the way of the Lord. And when he is old, he shall not depart. Ian Malcolm said, no, this morning there's a God in heaven. And there's a praying mother. And when he is old, he shall not depart. Well, it doesn't look like that like this morning. But friends, faith is not looking at what we see around us. Faith is believing God's precious word this morning. You come into this house, your mind is troubled. The torments of this world and life and circumstances. The Bible tells me this morning, He shall keep in perfect peace whose mind is stead on thee. You understand this morning? So when we pray, we got to pray God's word. We can't pray opinions, what we think, and all the, all the razzmatazz and going around the world and looking at this, that, and the other, and what I think. Friends, we got to get before God and start to quote the word of God to him. Lord, you've said it in your word. We believe it, and we'll pray it. God gives attention to a people that pray his word. That pray his word. Not my word, but his word. In Jeremiah 31 and 33, the wonderful revelation of a new covenant promise. Listen this morning. God will not break his promise. God will not break his promise. He's a covenant-keeping God. In Jeremiah 31 and 33, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law 
in their inward parts. I'll write in their hearts. I'll be their God. And they'll be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity. And I love this remembrance. And I'll remember their sin no more. What's that based on? It's based on a covenant and the blood of the New Testament. It's an everlasting covenant. Listen to this this morning. Titus 1 and 2 says this covenant that we're talking about, that we have been brought into as the sons of God. Titus 1 and 2, in the hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie. Listen to this. Promised before the world even ever began. This was a covenant that was made. We looked at the Godhead last week, but this was a covenant that was made between the Father, between the Son, and between the Holy Ghost. It was quoted in prayer this morning, for God so loved the world. What did he do? He's going to demonstrate and move and enact on his covenant. He sent his Son, Jesus, God's Son, willingly left the splendor of heaven, come into this world, the Holy Ghost. I don't know how it all happened in that conversation, but the Holy Ghost had made a promise with the Father and the Son, I'll not leave your soul in hell. On the third day, the Son rose triumphant. And through faith this morning, simple faith, we enter into an eternal covenant through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's awesome. God when he sees the covenant, nobody says, I'll not remember Gillian's sin anymore. Not remember Jude's sin anymore. Not remember Frank's sin anymore. Why? Because I've made a covenant. Remembering and covenant is connected. And thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. When that angel swept over Egypt in Exodus chapter 12, it says, and when I see the blood, what happens? I'll pass over. He'll pass over when he sees the blood. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 9, Hebrews 8, we will not turn there, but that blood of an everlasting covenant, Jesus has entered in to the glory this morning. He sat down with the blood of an everlasting covenant. And when he sees the blood, praise God, I'll pass over you. Are you washed in the blood this morning? Are you washed in the blood? Are you born of the Spirit? Well, the world might say, I remember what you used to be, what you used to get up to. Thank God this morning there's no record in heaven. The slate's been cleaned. The old account's been settled long ago. Are you saved this morning? The importance of us using the Word of God in prayer. God is a covenant-keeping God. And he mentioned it this morning about the Jewish people. On the 14th of May, 1948, God birthed a nation, or reborn a nation, brought them back to their land in a night. Why did he do that? Well, it was the UN, and it was the British were involved, and the Turks were involved. No, no, God's above all the nations of this world. God brought that people back on the 14th of May, 1948, and one of the most significant occurrences that has been mentioned already this morning and and the whole aspect of prophecy that's an indicator that christ is about to come why did he do it two thousand years later i'm going to tell you something he's not confined by time he's not looking at the clock this morning the big hand or the wee hand i'm going to tell you something his eternal purpose is working but i tell you why he done it because he said in his word no matter what you do this morning no matter what you think this morning, when all the theologians have got out all their books and they start to write all their stuff, listen, friends, doesn't matter what man writes, it's what God said. 
You're not going to change it. And so in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, being assembled together, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. This is all in the everlasting covenant in his blood. But what did he say? Jesus, wait for the promise of the Father. He told them to wait for a promise. Which saith he, ye have heard, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Here's a promise. Here's a promise. Where is the promise found? It's found in the statement of faith of our church. No, it's found in God's precious word. What does it say? Wait for the promise. And that promise is the baptism with the Holy Ghost. God made a promise. The baptism in the Holy Ghost. Never mind the debating, the doubts, and all the theologians and what church say and tradition say. I tell you, just a saint that we come this morning and say, God, you said in your word that there's a promise for me. And I come by faith this morning, not on the basis of church tradition, what the preacher says or what all the theologians, all the experts say, that it's not real, it doesn't happen, it's just for them. And all the, What did God say? He says there's a promise. And you come on the basis and you pray God's word this morning. Let me tell you, by faith, receive the promise of the Father, the baptism in the Holy Ghost. 1 Peter 2 and 24, his word says, Who his own self bear our sins and his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. Healed. What does his word say? What does his word say? When we pray, we must pray God's word. I want to encourage you, saints of God in prayer meetings, pray the word of God. Pray what God says. Come on the basis of what his word says. God speaks many times in the scriptures of people coming and honoring him with their lips, but their heart's not there. In other words, there's just, there's just talking. I tell you another thing that's very important. In Isaiah 58 and verse 9, you know, so often we come and in prayer meetings, people feel that they need to pray what they think it should be. Lord, we're not happy with the church. We don't like the pastor and we don't like them and we don't like the songs that they're singing and we don't like this. And Lord, they, do you know they don't know? I tell you what that is, friends. That's a yoke in the assembly of God's people. That's what it is. That creates a yoke amongst the people of God. Oh, but I've got this great revelation. I'm going to tell you, friend, that's a yoke in the body of Christ. Isaiah 58 and 9 says, Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Then shalt thou cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the booting forth of the finger, and speak in vanity. That's serious, isn't it? God's tired of hearing all the opinions. He's tired of all the pointing of the finger. Remember, when you're pointing that finger, many's pointing back. God has never instructed us that we should come into the house of God and examine our brother or our sister. God always instructs us to examine ourselves. And so when we come just with a judgment on everything else that's happening and all the flaws and the failures, let me tell you something, you've created a yoke. 
God says, put that finger away. Put that speech away. And when you put it away, when you call, I'm going to answer. Ecclesiastes 5 and 1 tells us how we should come to the house of God. Ecclesiastes 5 and 1, keep your foot. When you go to the house of God, be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they consider not that they do evil. Be not rash with your mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in the heaven, and thou art upon the earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Lord, teach us to pray. How we're to pray right. We're to pray the word of God. We've got to come to God on the basis of his word on the covenant and the promise that we have and through the blood of Jesus Christ, the words and God remembered Hannah should penetrate every heart this morning and know that God is a covenant-keeping God. In 2 Chronicles and verse 7, and we've read these verses so often, so many times, many people would think that that has nothing to do with us today and how wrong that is. In 2 Chronicles 7 and 12, when when the Lord appeared to Solomon by night, the Lord appeared to Solomon by night, said unto him, I've heard your prayer, chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. Verse 13, you ever come to a day, as God's people, when when if I shut up heaven that there's no rain, if I command the locusts to devour the land, if I send pestilence among my people, If that is a day, if we can see spiritually that that's the day we're living in, there's a judgment upon the nations because the nations turn from God. If we can see that there's a day where we're longing for the showers of blessing, we thank God for the mercy drops, but the locusts are devouring the land. That speaks of judgment. Pestilence is among the people. But he said in that day, if my people, which are called by my name, What does he say to do? Humble themselves. Pray. How do we pray? Pray according to the word of God. Seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways. What does he say he'll do? Then I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin. What will happen? I'll heal their land. How the land needs a healing. We come this morning on the basis and boldly on the basis of the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews tells us, let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy, find the help in the time of need. We come with faith in our hearts, knowing that without that it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. What is he, friend? What do you believe he is this morning? What do you believe he is? What do you believe God is? He's a covenant-keeping God. He'll perform his word if we come this morning believing that he is. Brothers and sisters, he'll respond. As Samuel is about to be born, the Hebrew Samuel simply means to hear two words, to hear intently or intelligently. And the other word, El, is God Almighty. The Almighty hears. Isn't that wonderful? The Almighty hears this morning. God remembered Hannah. The Almighty has heard my cry. The Samuel is born. He hears 
And when that little baby brings forth that joy in that life, when the time was come about for Hannah to conceive, she bare a son, called his name Samuel, because I have asked him of the Lord. Samuel in his birth would end the era of the judges, of a corrupt priesthood, of a backslidden people, and a fresh call would come for a people to come out and to serve God. If ever that's the day we're in, it's today. A Samuel is about to be born. A people have cried before the Lord in faith, believe in his word. Lord, we're your people. We come, Lord. We're tired of all the backsliddenness. We're tired of ourselves and the destitution. We're tired of a nation being plummeted deeper and deeper into sin. But then there's a Samuel about to be born. And friends, when that happens, as we come to a close in the next five minutes or so, but when that happens, we need to know that God works suddenly. He works suddenly. In Isaiah chapter 66, this should encourage us this morning, I pray, but Isaiah chapter 66, we turned to it last week just for the first couple of verses. I'll touch on them quickly, but move through this great chapter, the last chapter in Isaiah. Isaiah 66, it says in the opening verse, Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool, and where is the house that you'll build unto me? Where is the place of my rest? For all these things hath mine hand made, and all those things which have been, saith the Lord. But now I'm looking for a man. Remember, we talked about it last week. Now he's looking for someone. He's looking what attracts him to this house this morning. Remember, we talked about it last. What's the attraction? What's God looking for? Well, he says, this is what he says. All those things. But to this man am I looking even to him that is poor and of a broken or a contrite spirit, and he trembleth at my word. And that's what God's looking for. We want to know what God's looking for this morning. This is what God's word tells us. That is what he's looking for. He that killeth an ox as if he slew a man. He, he that sacrifices the lamb as if he cut off a dog's neck. He that offers an oblation if he offered swine's blood. He that burneth incense as if he blessed an idol. Yes, they have chosen their ways and their soul delighteth in their abominations. That's what the world are going to do. But I'll also choose their delusions. I'll bring their fears upon them because when I called, when I called, listen this morning, when I called, listen carefully, when I called, this is what God says, when I called, nobody answered. Nobody responded. When I speak, they did not hear, but they did evil before my eyes and choose that in which I delighted not. Verse 5 says these words, Hear the word of the Lord, ye that tremble at his word. Your brethren that hated you, that cast you out for my name's sake, said, Let the Lord be glorified, but he shall appear to your joy, and they shall be ashamed. There's a voice of noise from the city. There's a voice from the temple. There's a voice of the Lord that rendereth recompense to his enemies. And then this is it, friends. Before she travailed, she brought forth. And before her pain came, she was delivered of a man-child. Have you ever heard something like that? Have you ever heard of a woman 
And it would be wonderful for you, I'm sure, ladies, to go into labor and not have any pain. Have you ever heard anything like that, Paula? A woman in labor, but no pain, no pangs. Have you ever heard such a thing? Who has heard such a thing? Before her pain came, she was delivered. Shall the earth be made to bring forth in a day, or shall a nation be born at once? Have you ever heard such a thing? I've already touched on it, but friends, way back when God's people were delivered out of Egypt, in one night, 600,000 footmen with their wives, their families, and a mixed multitude marched out of Egypt in one night. Who can t- Have you ever heard such a thing? And one night, God delivered his people. It says they ranked out, they walked out rank and fire. They plummeted the, the treasures of Egypt. They left with everything. Their pockets were filled with all the treasures of Egypt. They walked out rank and fire. They were slaves for hundreds of years. And on one night, God delivered them by his great power. They walked out rank and fire, and he wouldn't even let a dog bark at them. That's God. And one day, and I've mentioned it already, on the 14th of May, 1948, one day, it was a miracle. It was a miracle. When we read these verses, it's important to know that this is God working suddenly. Who's heard such a thing? Who's seen such a thing? Shall the earth be made to bring forth, or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as sand travails, she brought forth her children. Shall I bring the birth and not cause to bring forth, saith the Lord? Shall I cause to bring forth and shut the womb, saith the Lord? Rejoice ye with Jerusalem. Be glad with her, all ye that love her. Rejoice for joy with her, all ye that mourn in her. From the birth of the church and every subsequent revival that's ever taken place that is known, and unknown. I want to tell you how it's happened. It's happened suddenly. This verse speaks of God dealing with his people, Israel, and it also speaks of God dealing with the church of Jesus Christ. It was born in an upper room, and suddenly there's 3,000 souls that have been brought into the kingdom. Suddenly God moved. By his power. And every subsequent revival that's ever happened, the 1859 revival, thank God for it. We're living in the good of it today. 100,000 souls are swept into the kingdom of God. 1904, the Welsh revival, 100,000 souls swept into the kingdom of God. The 1949 revival in the Isle of Lewis, for two weeks there was nothing in that mission. But after two weeks, the deacon comes in and said, Mr. Campbell, you need to come outside. And as they opened the church doors and walked out into the yard, 500 people have been drawn by the Holy Ghost, crying out to God in repentance. God burst. It was sudden. We need to know, brothers and sisters, in the day of of people trying to apologize nearly for God, he moves suddenly, unexpectedly, in an hour that you think not. He's going to wrap this whole thing up when he comes for his church. Friends, I'm going to tell you, it's going to happen suddenly. You can say this morning, will there be no warning? Friends, you're getting one now. 
and you get one every Sunday morning, Sunday night. You get them in the lighthouse club. You get them downstairs in that Sunday school room and that wee school during the week as everyone is opening and presenting the Word of God, warning after warning after warning after warning after warning. Oh man, they are without excuse. And so suddenly, God moves. Suddenly, it tells us in Psalm 126, when God turned the captivity of Zion, suddenly, it's like we're walking in a dream. We're like in a dream. What's happening? Friends, that's revival time. Suddenly, people are knocking your door at the midnight hour. Have you got any bread? What are they looking for? They're looking for the way of salvation. Suddenly in the, in the schoolhouse or in the neighborhood or in the shopping center, God has changed the atmosphere. Hearts are beginning to soften and suddenly God begins to move and souls are born. We're like them that dreamed. Them was our mouth filled with laughter. Our tongue was singing. And they said among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for us. Brothers and sisters, when you come to pray, make sure you pray God's word because his word is true and he doesn't break his word. And know this, friend, in this whole thing, it's backslidden, it's indifferent, it's cold, they hate God, the nation's turned, there's all the darkness, See, in that day, there's always a people. There always is a people. Always. There's always a people. Elijah just messed up one day and said, there's only me left. No, no. There were 7,000 that hadn't bowed the knee. There's a remnant across this island. A remnant across these islands. A remnant across Europe. Even though it's the prodigal continent of this world. But I want to tell you something. When God moves, he moves suddenly. He moves suddenly. Without even the birth and pangs, souls are born. Then doubtless will come again, bringing our sheaves with us, rejoicing. The Lord's done great things for us. God, help us this morning to pray, not what we think or all our wee opinions, but pray the word of God. God, remember us. In Jesus' name.